This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Well, we're going to continue today. I'm going to continue with a series we're doing called Finding Father because we're celebrating next week's Father's Day. Just give a plug for all the dads. So uh, be sure and invite someone out next week. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Father's heart, but uh, today we're going to be talking about the Father's purpose and uh, my design and intent in this series, at least how I felt the Lord wanted to do it. We, We talk about the Father heart, the fatherhood of God, and want to relate it, of course, to all of us, but especially to us who are dads and granddads and so forth, because uh, He is the image, He is the pattern that we want to follow in our lives. Isn't that true? You know, the Father's heart for His kids is one of the great realities about the Scriptures and about Christianity. You know, most all the other religions that you want to look at, you know, they have a harsh, demanding God that's up there that says, you know, toe the line, toe the line, toe the line, and you don't toe the line, spat. But one of the great things that Jesus came to reveal was the heart of the Father, and that is that He is loving, that He is kind, and He's always working for our good. Now you say, boy, I find that hard to swallow. Well, the religious people in Jesus' day found it hard to swallow. I mean, you know, here they are. They're, they're the legalist of their day. You know, they're talking about, you know, do this, don't do that. It was all do's and don'ts. All of a sudden, here comes this prophet from nowhere, Nazareth. I mean, what's Nazareth anyway? Some backwater town somewhere. And so here's some some guy that's come up. He hasn't gone to rabbinical school. He hasn't done any of the things that you think are the norm. And all of a sudden, he comes preaching about a God of love, a God of forgiveness, a God of redemption. And that's who we want to look at. That's the Father. When we get a true view of the Father's purpose, which is what? To bring full restoration and healing to our lives. That's really what God's about. He's not out to get you. You know, some people, well, God's a judge. God's this, God's that. Well, listen, God is out to redeem you and to bring full restoration and healing and forgiveness and wholeness to your life and to your family's life. That's what he's after. He's not after. Listen, if he, I said this, I say this all the time, but it's true. If God was out to get us, we'd already all be God. Isn't that true? He's not out to get you. His purpose is to bring back that meaning and purpose to our lives, and that begins by healing and wholeness. Now, there's no one who has ever or ever will have the complete, unselfish, and absolute desire for our benefit and growth to become all we were designed to be that the Heavenly Father has. No matter how much I love my kids, I, I want the best for my kids. How many of you, you got kids? You want the best for your kids, don't you? But I got to be honest, you know, there, there have been times when, you know, my motives hasn't been completely right. They haven't been completely pure. Haven't been completely always best for my kids. Sometimes a little bit of what I wanted got in there. Y'all want to leave me up here by myself, aren't you? Don't throw me under the bus. 
But the heavenly Father, He always and only wants what's good and what's best for you and I. No one. Listen, this is why we run to Papa. You say, but you don't know what I've done. Yeah, but run to Papa. Run to Papa. You know, we talked about it last week that, you know, that Jesus, He was the one who took the rocks out of the hands of those who would stone. He took the rocks out of their hands. He didn't pick up one with them. Listen, run to Papa. He's not going to pick up a rock to get you. He's going to take the rocks out of the hands that would stone you, so to speak. So my hope today, as as we look at this lesson, that we, his, his people, his creation, will come to a better awareness of the Father. Who, who behind the scenes is constantly, listen, constantly working. He's working in our lives. He's working in our circumstances, our now and our future. He's working to bring about complete restoration as his sons and daughters. So today I would ask, the question is on our lesson, what is the Father's purpose by his work in our lives? What is his purpose? What does he want to do? If you would, if you've got your Bibles there, John 14. Let's look at the Gospel of John here just for a moment. Now, you have to understand that in Jesus' day, this concept really of the Father was was a very new concept that he was introducing. The Israelites knew about God. They knew about, you know, the God of Moses, the God that came down and gave the commandments. They knew about, you know, God as a judge. They knew God that way. But the concept of God as Father was a very new concept that Jesus was propagating. This is why they struggled with it a lot. And even his followers here, we see, struggle with it a little bit. Look in verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. But Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? So we're really, if we want to look and know what the Father is like, we don't have to guess. We don't have to go to your opinion or my opinion. We can look at Jesus and find out what the Father is like. Isn't that true? He said, Philip, if you've seen me, Christ, the Son of God, the incarnate one, he said, then you have seen a picture of the Father. And so when we see what Jesus was like, we see his, we hear his words, we see his acts, we see his motivation, we see the love, the forgiveness, we see the grace that was in Jesus, then we know that's what the Father is like. Isn't that good news? I'm so glad that I got a papa, I got a daddy, I got a heavenly father that is good and merciful and gracious and full of love and ready to forgive and ready to restore and ready to heal. Amen? Don't get too excited. I want to, talk, I want to look at something as we're talking about this. Turn to Matthew 20 a moment. And I want to look, and I call this a paradigm shift because... Usually when we think of a father figure, a lot of times the, the, the concept with that comes about, th- we think about a position, we think about authority, we think about, you know, something coming down from the father figure. 
So I want to talk a little bit about a paradigm shift because many times, uh, depending on, you know, what the fa- your father, your earthly father was like, many times that's the starting place for us when we start hearing about the heavenly father. Many times, you know, uh, we talked about it last week that many people, even Christians, born-again Christians, have difficulty when you start talking about the Father God because they had a father. Maybe your father was, was kind of austere. Maybe he was old school where he said, you know, I said it and that's it. And I mean, you know, he laid the law down. Many of us from my generation especially, we had fathers like that. You know, my dad was uh, ex-military. He was an MP in the military, so you know he was like, man, you know, I said it, that settled it, and that was it. But whatever our picture was, many times we get that idea, that's what the Father's like. So I want to talk about a paradigm shift because I want you to understand what the Heavenly Father is like. In Matthew 20, you know, in a little background here, there was, you know, there came up this discussion about, you know, position. Boy, I'm telling you, you know, I want to make sure I've got my proper place. I I want to make sure everybody understands, you know, where I belong and where I fit in the pecking order and all that kind of thing. That kind of discussion came up even among Jesus' disciples because they understood, hey, you know, authority, top down, that's the way it works. So the higher up I am, the better I am. Come on. Nothing new about that. It was going on back here 2,000 years ago. That, so all that was going on, and you know, they're all trying to figure out, you know, who's where in the pecking order. And notice what Jesus said. We'll pick it up there in verse uh, 25, Matthew 20, verse 25. He, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, who what? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Isn't that right? Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, so the Father's not out, what? To be served But what? But to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So here's the paradigm shift I'm talking about on leading. In the world, we're all about positional leadership. I call call it leading from the head. We're positional. You know, if you're you're in a business, if if you work in an office, in a business or somewhere like that, listen, they've got the pecking order. You know, there's the guy that's in charge, and then it goes on down the hierarchy, and somewhere in there is your number or your title, whatever it might be. And Jesus said, this is the way the world runs things. This is the way they organize things from the top down. And just, you know, here you go, do this. Don't worry about why, just go do this. This is what you're supposed to do. And it's organized from the top down. But here's what happens when we work and live in an organizational structure like that, and when we get the idea that this is the way the kingdom of God and the Father operates. First of all, in that kind of leadership role, it's all about status. Status is hierarchical. Who is at the top? Hey, you know what? I'm at the top. You do as I say. You serve me. That's, that's the way the structure is, isn't it? Everything below the person at the top 
It all feeds in to that person. You take care of them. You support them. You, you do what they say. Everything flows up to support the top, the head, doesn't it? But Jesus said, not so with you guys. Not so with you. He said, you want to be the head? Then he said, you're going to be down here, what, supporting everyone else. But in the worldly picture, status is hierarchical. Privilege is guarded. In this structure, privilege is guarded. Hey, you know, don't you know who I am? Don't you know, you know what I've done? Don't you see me? Don't you see my title? Don't you see this? Don't you see that? Everything is about what? It's about privilege. It's guarded. And everything's set up to make sure that you remember who I am. <laughs> I'm top dog. I'm number one. When I come in the room, attention. <laughs> and that right? Jesus said, not in the kingdom. Privilege is guarded. Control in authority. In other words, my authority is used, what? To make sure I maintain control. I'm going to be in control. Because after all, we can't trust you to take care of yourself. I've got to be in control. I've got to, I've got to uh, you know, tell you every aspect of your life. I want to be in control. I want to tell you what you should do and when you should do it and how you should do it. Control, control. And a lot of people have got the idea that that's the way the Heavenly Father is. That he's neurotic somehow and he's just, you know, he, he, you know he's insecure and he's got to make sure that you know that he's in control. Listen, I got news for you. God knows he's in control and he really doesn't need anything to remind him of that. And really what we're going to see when we understand authority as dads and the heavenly father, then we understand that authority is something used to serve, not to control, because what? When I start controlling, that means I'm insecure. Since I'm insecure, I got to make sure, you know, that you remember who I am. All the time, I'm really trying to remind myself through my insecurities who I am. And then, as I mentioned earlier, you're served by others. You're served by others. Now, a good example of this, we won't turn to it, but write this scripture reference down. 1 Samuel 8, beginning with verse 11. You remember, I'll, I'll give you a quick synopsis of it, that you know when Israel first came into the promised land and they began to conquer their enemies, you probably remember that. You know, they, they were the only nation around them. They had no king except God. God was their king. But they had no human king. They had God would raise up judges, that would lead them, prophets that would lead them at times, but they had no king. But you know what? After a while, guess what Israel wanted? Give us a king. Give us a king. We want a king. We want a king, you know? They were marching up and down with the, you know, maybe they had stone banners. I don't know, whatever they had. They were marching, we want a king. We want a king, you know? And, and you know, and, and, and Samuel, who was the judge at that time and the prophet, he said, listen, you don't want a king. Because here's what's going to happen when you get a king. He's going to take the best of your land, the best of your crops. He's going to get your sons and your daughters. They're going to serve him. They're going to work for him. And it's all going to be about him. They said, no, no, no. We want a king. So they got a king. And guess what happened? Just what he said. Duh, figure that out. God's so smart. I used to always tell my Bible school students this, you know, greatest revelation you'll ever have. I'd make them write it in their Bible. God is smarter than you are. 
I know that seems obvious, but a lot of times we forget that, don't we? I can look back a few times in my life and think, boy, how did I forget that? Something so basic. But it's easy to do. And they wanted a king. And so it happened just like he said. Why? Because that, that was the model. The model before was God was their king. And guess what he was doing? He was what? He was taking care of them. He was guarding them, protecting them, providing for everything they needed. They were living in houses they didn't even build. They were, they were enjoying fields that they didn't even have to cultivate when they first got there. I mean, everything was set up. I mean, you'd think, man, with a setup like that, why would you want to change? And see, that was the authority. That's the way it flowed. And so we're going to look at the other system, the heavenly system. But you know, there always are choices. We've talked about this before, hadn't we? We can choose, make a choice, but when we make a choice, then what? The choice is going to begin to make us, isn't it? It's going to make our life. It's going to determine the pathway, and, and, and to a large degree, it's going to determine, uh, you know, what kind of life and quality of life and purpose in life that we serve. And so we can either do this, you know, where we... Uh, you know, as dads, especially, let me speak to the dads for a moment. We can take this authority structure that maybe we learn from our dad or we learn from somebody else that's not kingdom oriented. And we can begin to be and run our families and our homes in a way that is, you know, anywhere from dogmatic and a holy terror, <laughs> you know, to just, uh, you know, okay, I'm the king, so I have a right to abdicate. I've seen it on both extremes. You know, dads that just were so heavy-handed, ruling their house and everything. Do you know this? Let me just say this too, guys, while I'm on it, you know, just on this little rabbit trail here. Did you know the Bible says that the wife is a reflection or is the glory of the man? If you want to get a real good picture of how she's probably being treated, just look at her countenance. Now, you know, maybe not in every case. I understand we're still free moral agents. But I want to tell you what. If, if, if that husband is treating her in a way that is not loving, that is not kind, that is not as an equal partner of the grace of life as the Scripture, and is always beating her down, I'm going to tell you what. Her countenance is going to reflect that. She's going to look sad and depressed, mad, or the converse if we treat the, the wife as we ought to, guys, we treat our wives with kindness, with love, with serving her instead of ourselves, you know what? That's going to be reflected too. I'm telling you, you won't have to worry about her leaving you because I'm telling you what, nobody wants to leave a good thing. <laughs> Hello? Nobody ever yet left a good thing. Nobody ever yet left a good thing. So let's compare that to over in Philippians 2. Turn over there, if you will, just for a moment. Philippians 2. About how the Father, what is, what is the Father's love? We, we saw the world there, and I, I didn't spend much time on that because we live in it, and I think most of us understand that's how it works in the world. But in the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the family of God, and church, and we as believers in our homes, we operate under a different system, or we should. And here in Philippians 2, 
Remember, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hebrews 1 says Jesus was the express image of the Father. So he was the Father. Now notice here in Philippians 2, remember we're talking about finding Father. See, I want to make sure I've, I've found the Father God. I want to find the right Father here. I don't want the wrong father. I want the right father. Because that's going to influence my life. That's going to determine how I live my life. In Philippians 2 and verse 3, notice what he's saying here. Paul, the apostle writing, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Do you know what? That solved every church problem and every marital problem if we just did that one verse. I said that would solve every problem in the church. Nobody ever left because they love somebody so much. You know, I just love you guys so much, and I'm telling you, y'all throw on the ball, I'm just going to go over here out of the way so I don't mess it up. I've never heard of a church split like that. It's always what? We're right. I'm right. They need to get on the ball. Or they said this, or they did that. Come on. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who also had the attitude, what, of the Father, did he not? Who being in the very nature of uh, in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He wasn't grasping at his position. He, wouldn't, he didn't have to remind somebody every, you know, five minutes, hey, I'm the son of God. I'm the son of God. You remember me? I'm the son of God. He wasn't insecure about it. He knew who he was. We talked about it last week. When we know who our father is, all of a sudden we begin to understand and know who we are. I'm born of God. I'm a child of God. You're born of God. You're a child of God. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. That's who we are. That's who we are. And he said, because we're born of God, we should have this same attitude. He said, but made himself nothing. Wow. Most people I run into are trying to make themselves something. He said, Jesus made, this is your attitude, made himself nothing. Nothing. Well, you know, it's hard to offend nothing. See, the more I can be offended, the more I need to work on this attitude that Jesus had so that I, because what? The only thing that can be offended in me is what? Is pride. You are not recognizing who I am. <laughs> so I'm hurt. You don't recognize all my rights, so I'm hurt. You know, I, I'm all for us understanding our rights both in the natural and in the spiritual. But I think we need to balance it out with our responsibilities. We hear a lot about rights. We don't hear a lot about responsibilities sometimes. Isn't that true? And that, you need to have them both. Yeah, you got rights, but you also, what about your responsibilities? 
And he said here in the kingdom of God, it's more about us focusing on what? Our responsibilities of serving, of humbling ourselves, of putting ourselves in a position that God can use us to help and bless others than it is about my rights. In other words, we surrender to God that area where my rights come in and we say, God, you take care of my rights. I'm going to focus on my responsibilities. I'm going to humble myself and serve and not be so concerned about my position and my place and whether I'm getting everything that I deserve and all. I'll leave that with you. But see, if you don't know the Father, if you don't know His heart, if you don't know His motive, see, you won't be able to do that. But when you understand the heart of the Father, that He is full of mercy, full of goodness, full of kindness, full of generosity, full of blessing, it's the easiest thing in the world to leave it with Him. Because He'll do more for you than you'd ever do for yourself. Oh, you need to find that out. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. Notice God didn't humble him. You know, you know, in the church sometimes we pray, you know, God humble us, God humble us. No, he said you humble yourself. <coughs> Pardon me. He humbled himself and became obedient. How do you humble yourself? Become obedient. I don't know how, to, I'm praying for God to humble. Give me this attitude of humility. Listen, just start obeying God. You start serving other people, a humility will come. Are you listening? You'll have to, you can't serve people without giving up your, some of your rights. You become obedient. What? To serve. Obedient. What? I'm going to love as Jesus loved. I'm going to serve as the Father serves. I'm going to give myself to my family, to my fellow believers, and to anybody across my path. Remember the Pharisee, you know, he's always wanting to compartmentalize everything and just, you know, okay, what is it that we need to do here? I want to make sure, you know, okay, uh, I got my checklist, you know, I'm going to check it all off. Jesus started talking about some of these things one time. And he, got, he started talking about, you know, where the law said, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the Pharisee, of course, you know, and they said, now, well, that's, that's all good. But now, who is my neighbor? Let's clarify that, Jesus. Who is my neighbor? Let's see. One, two, three. Okay, four people. Okay, I, I can be nice to four people. Those are my neighbors. The one that lives on either side and across the street. But Jesus went on to clarify it, didn't he? He said, your neighbor is anyone who comes across who needs you to serve them. So, Pastor, this is, this is heavy duty. No, this is liberating. This is liberating. And listen, this is what your heavenly father is about. So, what do we gather from this looking at Philippians 2 about the heart of Jesus, the heart of the father? Now, notice this, no special status. He humbled himself and became obedient. So there was no special status. Status will keep you from serving. Well, I, I man, I can't, they're having that work day. I can't come out here to do that. Don't they know who I am? Come on. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't help out in the children's church. I mean, man, I, you know, God might want, might want to use me out here. 
Well, I'm telling you what, if you want to be used out here, get used where God, uh, you know, is showing you a place to be used. It might, it might be in the children's church. Man, I, I, I started out just, you know, cleaning the toilets and helping out any way I could, whatever way it was. You know, remodeling a building, just do whatever I could. Just get busy. Get busy doing something. Isn't that true? No special status. We relinquish privileges. Notice it said Jesus, he didn't hold on to his privileges as God. It says he let go of them. He let go of them so that what? He could serve. Sometimes we have to let go of our privilege, what? So that we can serve. Well, I'll tell you what. The Bible says I'm the head of this house, and I'm going to tell you what. What I say goes, and I'm ruling this place. Come on, you think I'm joking, but I tell you what, I've been in marriage counseling situations where it came across just about that way. You know? And I, you know, y'all, now don't judge me. And I was thinking about, you know, I want to reach over there and shake that guy real hard, you know, about that time the wife did, so it, it took it out of my hands. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about right there. We relinquish privileges. See, if, if we're the father, the fa think about this. The father is, is upholding everything, isn't he? The father God. The, the universe, everything. It's, it's being upheld through his son. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Think about it today. The father is feeding every living thing. Taking care of every living thing. This is our father. And as a father in our home, you know what? Our chief call with our authority, guys, is to serve our families. Serve them. Get off the throne and start serving your families, your wife, your kids, your grandkids. We are called to be servants just like Jesus was, just like the father is. That's what we're called to do. I use the authority that God's given me as a dad, as a father, as a husband, what, to serve my family. Not to be served, not to be waited on hand and foot. Boy, it's awful quiet in here. Non-controlling and authority, and the leader serves others. So we, as I said, we've got two ways we can go here. We can rule the way the earth, the way the world system says, top down, do what I say. You toe the line or else. Or we can take that authority and take that privilege and take all that God's given us as dads, as fathers, and, you know, and we can begin to use that like Jesus did and we begin to serve. Not only in our families, but others too. You want to get somebody's attention? Start serving. Come on. Because listen, people in the world, they understand the top-down stuff. They do. Most, most, most work in that every day. They understand the top-down thing. You got the big boss, and then you got the, you know, the next boss, and maybe the next boss, depending on how big the company is you work for. You know, then you got the office manager or whatever, and then, you know, there's me, the grunt. But all of a sudden, what would happen if the president of the company would begin from time to time to what? Moving away where it was seen he was serving those who worked for him. 
that he was genuinely concerned with their well-being, not just with the bottom line well-being. What would happen? <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever seen, there, there used to be, it may still be on TV, I, I'm not sure. I can't even remember the, what the name of the program was, but it was, what they would do is they would take a, a company, it had to be fairly large, and the guy that was either started it or was the president or the big boss, he would go secretly to undercover boss, that's it. He would go secretly to one of the places, you know, and just, you know, and, and, you know if, and if he was, his face was well known in the company, they would even disguise him and everything. I mean, he would really get in detail so that nobody could. And he would go there and he would work down there, you know, where the little guy, so to speak, was working. And he'd begin to see what they were facing every day. And he'd begin to hear what they were saying every day. And man, at the end of that program, I mean, it, it, you know, I didn't see a lot of them, but I seen two or three because it really intrigued me. But without fail, the ones I saw, man, those bosses were like, I mean, you know, after the, and, 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 you know, and privately interviewing, you know, with whoever's doing the taping, you know, and they were talking about, boy, how their eyes were opened, you know, and how they would discover an employee that was going the extra mile every day and was down there, you know, doing the work that was supporting him. And it was an eye opener. And you know, this is the thing about serving. When we begin to serve, see, he was up there in the CEO's chair. And that was one view. But when he came down there for a season and he began to work down there in the nitty gritty and the dirty uh, and all the stuff in that business, he had a whole new appreciation, a whole new understanding of what people were facing and what was going on, what their needs were, and it empowered him to understand how he could better serve them. And you would see at the end, most these CEOs, man, they, they, they would, I mean, right there on the spot many times after it was revealed who they were, they'd call those employees, would come in to sit down with them, and all of a sudden, most of the times, the employees... They didn't even know who he was till he told them who he was. And they were like, oh, my gosh, I was working with you every day because I was telling him to do, you know, I was telling him to go over and do that and do that. You know, and, and a lot of them, you've, they found out that it wasn't, their job wasn't as easy as they thought it was. And, you know, and, the, and all of a sudden the CEO, CEO would say, you know what, you, you've got, had such a wonderful attitude. You're doing such a good job. Here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay off your debts. I'm going to pay off your house, or I'm going to send you to school. I'm going to give you a promotion. You're going to get a raise, whatever it was. And I mean, you know, they were blown away. But when we serve, we come down off of that place. Maybe you've reached a place in your spiritual walk that way, where you're, I mean, man, you know, we all got work to do. Don't misunderstand me. But, you know, hey, I, I, I've been at this a while. I, you know, my, my walk with God's pretty strong. It's pretty good. It's, uh, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm doing good, man. I got mine. I hope you get yours. But, you know, maybe what if, we, we, what if those who had reached the pinnacle, so to speak, within you know what I'm talking about, not perfection. But we've reached, uh, you know, a, a fullness of maturity as Christians. What if we took on this attitude like Jesus did and we started to be the chief servants?
We who have knowledge begin to serve. We who know how to pray begin to serve. We who know how to use our faith begin to serve. We who understand how the kingdom works, we begin to serve. You know, I found this out that, you know, as you, you come into the things of God, you come into the kingdom, you know, and you begin to grow and you begin to grow and you begin to grow. And I mean, man, I, 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 anywhere there was a meeting, I would go to it. You know, I was just so hungry. I'd drive 50 miles to go to a Bible study. You know, some people won't drive five miles to get to church. But I was hungry. But I found this out that as I began to grow and as I began to grow and as I began to grow, that certain things that used to satisfy me didn't satisfy me anymore. It wasn't enough to go and just be a part of a really good meeting. Man, we had, man. See, this, a lot of people, that's still where they're at. They're looking for that next spiritual fix. That next, ooh, man, wasn't that, man, remember that meeting we had? Man. But you know what? Let that be a signal to you that you've reached a level of spiritual growth that the next level for you is to come down and begin to serve. Thank you for that, Pastor. Jesus, who was and is God, was at the pinnacle, was he not, so to speak, of the universe. He didn't need to learn anything. He didn't need to know anything. He didn't need to experience anything. He didn't need any of that, did he? He was perfect, perfect, perfect. So what did he do? He came down. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is the heart of the Father. Real quickly, I've got to close here. The Father's purpose. It's always redemptive. It's always good for my good, and it's always expressed in love and mercy. It's always redemptive. It's always for my good, and it's always expressed in love and mercy. We all remember Romans 8, 28. We know that all things, he causes all things, what, to work for the good to those who are the called according to his purpose. Isn't that right? This is... What it's about. This is your father's purpose. This is your father's heart. And this is the heart that God wants us to take on Passion Church. In our dealings with our family. In our dealings with one another. In our dealings with those who aren't even Christians. What? <clears throat> we always want to deal with them. What? Out of what? Love and mercy. You know, I see people all the time, man. They just, I mean, bless their heart. They must be miserable. They, they just want to judge everything and everybody. I thought, man, that's got to get wearisome. Oh, my gosh. They're bad, and they're bad, and they're bad, and they're wrong. <clears throat> you know? <clears throat> Leave that to God. Isn't that what the Scriptures teach us? Leave the judgment to God. Just leave it to Him. You know what? Let's be out for people's good. What good can I do for them today? 
Maybe they're not ready to receive Jesus yet. But what good can I do? Maybe if I start serving them. Maybe if I start loving them. Maybe if I start showing them appreciation. Maybe if I start reaching out and begin to serve the, that person at work that's, that's, you know, so sour and seems so bitter all the time. Don't preach to them. Just start serving them. Start looking for their good. How can I do some good to that person today? Yeah, but I'll tell you what. You don't know what a foul mouth they got. All the more reason that God has you in their life. All the more reason. Because, listen, it's not the foulness that is the problem. It's the waters that have been polluted through all that's happened in their life. They're just, they're just issuing out the waters that's in their life. Bitterness, hurt, discouragement, disappointment, disillusionment, all those kind of things. That's what's coming out. Remember, we looked last week, said, you know, when the Israelites came in to, started to come in, first came out of Egypt, they, they came up on, you know, they were three days in the desert. That make you pretty thirsty. They were all thirsty. They come up on a big supply of water and doggone, wouldn't you know it? The water was no good. It was bitter. It was bitter. A lot of people, their attitudes, the words they're speaking, those things. Listen, we've got to learn how to move past that. And see that, you know what, that comes as a result of bitter waters. But you remember what God told Moses to do, don't you? He said, take this tree and throw it in the waters and the waters will become sweet. Well, you know what? You've got a tree to put in the waters of other people. It's the tree of grace. The tree of love, the tree of forgiveness, the tree of pointing them to a father that's out for their good only. He's out for their good only. And he said, let this attitude, let this heart be in us that was in Christ Jesus. This week, I want us to, I want to encourage you and myself, let's get to know our Heavenly Father even better. Let's get to know his heart. His heart. Listen, don't try to listen, don't try to slice and dice and sparse and figure out all the minutiae of the theological ramifications of this particular doctrine. I mean, some things are critical, yes, but a lot of stuff we get off on, we get all on this rabbit trail. Especially when you're dealing with the lost. That don't make any sense to them. Just tell them God's good. I still believe, as simple as that is, that's probably the, the greatest revelation in the Scriptures. God is good. God is good. God is good. Let's get to know the Heavenly Father. Secondly, let's seek to emulate the Father's attitude to serve this week. Start in your homes. Let's serve one another. Dads, guys, serve your families with this attitude. Not like, okay, there it is. No, serve them with the right attitude. And then thirdly, practice on everyone around you, especially your family. Just practice, practice. You remember what your mom used to say, practice makes? Doctors practice medicine, don't they? Lawyers practice the law. Well, Christians ought to practice serving. Isn't that who we are? Aren't we called to serve? 
So let's get down off the mount where we've been, the mount of transfiguration. We needed to go there, but Jesus didn't stay there. He came down. Because at the bottom of that mountain, somebody was hurting. Somebody was in need. Isn't that right? Now see, the three that were with him said, Lord, let's stay up here. This is good. Yeah, we've all been in those places where we thought, man, I could just stay in this for about a month. Those kind of meetings, those kind of places in our prayer closet. But you know what Jesus said? He said, we must needs go back down. So to us who are believers today, first I want to talk to you. As we get ready to pray here, let's think about it a moment. How can we serve we can start with our families, and we can start with those that we come in contact with, and we can just start practicing this. You know how you're going to get better? Practice it. Just practice serving. You say, but it doesn't feel real when I just do it on purpose. Well, just keep doing it till it does. Isn't that right? I remember the first time I ever got on a tennis court, you know. I mean, you know, I didn't grow up with a racket in a hand. First time I ever got on a golf course. Swinging a club. I didn't grow up that way. But you know, if you do it enough, what? It becomes, what? Second nature. And this is who you are. So let's practice on serving this week. Let's practice on serving. Start with your families. I want to pray right now. We're going to do two prayers. We're going to pray for us as believers. I want to pray for us to open our hearts to this message and to the Holy Spirit, to the love of God. The Bible says the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And we need to open our hearts. Don't close them. Open them to people. Open them to people. We talked about in one series, becoming vulnerable. But you know, here's the thing. You can have, a, you can have scars but you don't have to have wounds. You know what a scar is? A scar is a wound that's healed up, but it's not still a tender place. So we can, what, we can continue to be what vulnerable through love. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.